You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday with Wayne McCurry, who's a portfolio manager at FMB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. And this podcast is proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Wayne, I was sort of rehearsing what you might say when I mentioned the dreaded three-letter word GDP, gross domestic product. And I thought to myself you'd say the following in your own measured way with a pause between certain syllables and certain words you'd say lindsay it was undoubtedly an unmitigated disaster it was clearly yes yes exactly what i would have said (laughs) exactly we've had time to think about it and there is some fallout i mean there was um, there was immediate fallout with the rand and the bonds and the banking Hmm. stocks but there's been a a stabilization today but now suddenly people are railing against the south african reserve bank as though it's their fault what a lot of nonsense Uh, that is complete and utter nonsense i couldn't agree with you more but this is just politics talking now it's not the first time a certain faction within the ANCs had a go at the Reserve Bank. So, yeah, I, I, I would dismiss this in total. It's complete and utter nonsense. It's just 100% factional fighting within the ANC. Because you saw the finance minister's retort to that. No, I didn't. Tell me what it was. Well, you said it's complete rubbish. Oh, yes, okay. Yeah, yeah. I did see that. Tito's, of course, yes. Yes, Tito, yeah. There's just no chance whatsoever that they're going to alter Reserve Bank's mandate and he again reiterated what the Reserve Bank's job is. And it's quite ironic. I mean, they, uh, they called it uh, quantity easing instead of qualitative easing. Yes. I know. It, it, so they don't it, it, understand exactly what a Reserve Bank is supposed to do and what happens when things go wrong. I think when it comes to QE, I don't think that QE is appropriate for a developing world economy as it is for a developed world economy like the United States, where it has been uh, successful. Whether the fallout will be unsuccessful, we don't yet know, but it was successful in rescuing that economy and therefore rescuing the world's economy from disaster. I don't think that quantitative easing would would do the trick in South Africa. I think there's far more structural issues that need to be addressed from the bottom bottom up and from the top down as well. It's a complicated situation. Did you... you, from a personal point of view, as a South African, a proud South African, did you feel despondent yesterday when you saw this number and yes. the rhetoric that followed it? Yes, definitely. It was way worse. Look, we've spoken about this a little bit. The first quarter number was always going to be terrible, but terrible was one and a half to two percent, not over three percent. And of course, you know, when you come back to quantitative easing and that, the United States was faced with the biggest financial catastrophe in ninety years, with the, probably the implosion of the banking system if they didn't do something like quantitative easing. Yes. And the biggest economy in the world, it is by far the richest economy in the world by a country mile. They have the US dollar, which is the world's reserve currency, that everyone's happy to own it, to hold a US dollar. And there was no inherent inflation and they used quantitative easing not to create jobs, to bail out asset prices, to bail out the banking system, not for the not not just to cut interest rates to raise jobs. So it was a completely and utterly different set of circumstances done by an, an economy that is infinitely more bigger 
more powerful and better structured in our economy and is not sitting that has one of the only countries in the world that has a triple A credit rating, not sitting on the cusp of junk status. They did quantitative easing and got away with it. And we all lucky they did. But things are very different in here. You can't think the Reserve Bank doesn't create jobs. No. You know, people who think the Reserve Bank creates jobs think that, oh, well, cut interest rates, print money, we create jobs, and, and everything's great. And that's exactly what happened in Zimbabwe. And everything's not great. No, it's not. I mean, just by a brushstroke, you cut rates by 50 basis points, 100 basis points, one and a half percent, whatever it is. It's not going to um, it's not going to benefit the ordinary man and woman in the South African no, streets. It's really go. not. No, of, of course it's not. It may benefit the banks. It may benefit financial institutions. It may be benefit corporates that want to uh, leverage their balance sheets and borrow money, etc. But it's not going to create jobs, unfortunately. And it's also not the government's no. job to, to create jobs. It's the government's a role to create an environment that environment, creates jobs. Yes, exactly, and that's and why I think we're going to get that. Mm. I think we are going to get that. It's certainly going to be significantly better than what it was. Why? But then, unfortunately, because I think the new, the new government, the new regime, I and mean, we talk about it as a new government, it's the same party, but the new leaders understand that you cannot exclude the private sector and business from your country and how it works. Because uh, certainly under the previous, the previous uh, state president and executive, business was almost the enemy. You know, you've got to have business-friendly policies. You've got to do, for want of a better word, the right thing, whether it's the Reserve Bank, whether it's mining policy, whether it's telecommunications policy, whether it's just general interactions between government and business, if you want to create the correct environment. Because, I mean, there's also, in my view, a massive misconception that it's business that's holding the economy back. If it wasn't for business, the economy would be booming. Business must spend the economy out of recession. Mm. Business doesn't do that. Business reacts to demand. So business only starts spending when they see demand going up. And the problem of this attacking business and having poor policies is it erodes confidence. And if there's no confidence, you and I, Joe Public, are not going to go out there and build a new house and buy a new car and expand my business. You do not. And it's, it's actually this, it actually, it's actually this confidence thing that's the biggest asset missing in South Africa because yes. no one trusts anyone. There's no social compact. You know, if there, in, in a lot of, in all successful countries, there's a social compact that there's broad agreement with what's got to be done and how it's supposed to be done between all groups of society, between all political parties. I mean, you're still going to get differences, but it's not a case of, you know, there aren't opposite ends. We're not, you know, you, you can't be enemies. The different power bases in the country can't be enemies of each other, which is sometimes what you feel is happening in South Africa. And now you feel that this is happening within, inside the ANC, is that there's different factions there at each other's throats the whole time. They're actually enemies of each other. So there's not even a cohesion within the governing party. There's not even a, 
a compact and a, and a understanding of broadly understanding and broad agreement of where you want the economy to go. And then you get things like, you know, the Reserve Bank, we must alter the mandate so they can do quantitative easing and drop <laughs> interest rates to create jobs. Yeah. And then this finance minister attacks his own internal party saying, this is rubbish, it doesn't work like this. So, so, so there's still a path to there's still a path to trade here in South Africa. We're still going to go down all of this. But we at least, I think, are starting off down, at least we're going to go down the right path now, even um, at how torturous it is and how many twists we've got to go through because this Reserve Bank thing's not going away. It's not new, by the way. This has come up for quite a, a few times now. And the public protector said we must change the constitution to essentially change the Reserve Bank's mandate. And we're going to hear uh, what's a prescribed investment is also going to rear its head again. So you get this feeling it's almost one of these uh, uh, sort of PR type things to somehow attack business, for want of a better word, to attack the power base in South Africa. So, I mean, it's just rhetoric. It's just it's, it's internal factional politics in the ANC. I mean, that's what it actually boils down to. I was but it's, 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 it's frustrating. I was having a moment of reflection today, watching the D-Day, the 75th anniversary of the D-Day invasion, yes. uh, the invasion of Normandy, which eventually uh, turned the tide in World War II. And I was looking at interviews with 90-plus years old uh, veterans, and they were so dignified and they were so modest. Yes. And I thought the sacrifices that they made... Uh, is not re are not really understood by the the, the current generation. Three generations no. along, I don't think people quite realise. And I thought to myself, I wonder what they would think when they see social media and the the cult of the mindless celebrity and reality television and all that sort of thing. And I and I thought about that, and then I applied it to the ANC. The ANC, a venerable institution, which started the founding fathers of the ANC started with a goal, and they eventually achieved their goal, but. The, Yes. people that have reaped the benefit from all that hard work and all those sacrifices that the original ANC members uh, made to good effect have been have been thrown away and I thought they looking down or looking up at the current ANC they must be completely ashamed and they must have thought what is it all for and when I see a minus 3.2 percent print I, I just feel a bit depressed Wayne yeah look at it is the case it is it is unfortunately almost food for depression when you see something like this. I mean, first of all, the ANC clearly has is going through a, a, a low point in their history, for want of a better phraseology. But I think they have turned the corner, and I think they will restore this country back onto a decent path. Because quite frankly, they're the only ones that have the power base to do it. And we hope that it does, in fact, happen under the new president. Because there's no other political party that's going to take power for the foreseeable future. There should be a coalition. So the ANC does it. There should be a coalition. They, are, they should bring other the, people in as well. It, 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 if, if it's a collective effort to bring South Africa yes. uh, from the brink back off its knees and standing up tall in the next few years, it's not going to be the next few months, it'll be the next few years, then you have to bring in other talent apart from this shrinking pool <laughs> of talent in the, in, in the ANC. Yes. Let's talk about the, the markets. Yeah, Let's talk yeah. about the markets now. The bank's got uh, a bit of a smack yesterday, but they've recovered a little bit today. They've the stabled a bit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they have. But does it change? Does it change your view, or 
the GDP number that is, minus 3.2%, or do you say it can't get much worse than that and I have faith in Mr Ramaphosa and his new cabinet and his policies, so therefore I'm going to double up on my position? How does it work? Well, that's, that's essentially what I do believe, but of course your faith in all of this is tried very seriously when you get a day like yesterday with the GDP coming in at minus 3%. Look, I suppose... As per normal, and maybe I'm too optimistic, but as per normal, you've got to see things in context. We would not, we would not have got a minus three if we didn't have stage four load shedding, because mm. it is quite clear it's mining and manufacturing that was affected by this. But we wouldn't have had a plus three either. We would have had a very dismal amount coming through. Maybe it wouldn't have been negative. Maybe it would have been minus a half. I don't know. But it would have been a dismal number. And that dismal number, you can put down to a number of factors. Donald Trump and trade wars does not help. The global economic growth rate is clearly slowing down, and it is negatively influenced by that. But that is obviously also not the whole picture. The lack of confidence in South Africa is really the big negative driver, putting aside the, the Eskom load shedding, because even the Eskom load shedding is as a result of economic mismanagement in all of its manifestations and all of its bribery and corruption and incompetence. You know that, so you can say, and I think you can say it with a fair degree of accuracy, that what we're going through now is primarily the government's fault. Mm through bad SOE management, through bad fiscal management, through just badly managing the country and the economy and not being able to set the path for South Africa and to set and to get a national consensus going. I mean, under President Mandela, there were opposition parties. There were plenty of people who disagreed with many things at ANC, but there was broad consensus throughout with everyone just about that we were doing the right thing and we were going the right way. Then under, uh, under Mbeki, I mean, there was still consensus that, okay, we're still going in the right direction. We still inherently, I suppose, trust the government that they won't do something erratic. And we had good money management. We had good fiscal management, we had good reserve bank management, and we were very lucky we had China as well, which was a fantastic boom to our economy. But then under, un, under President Zuma, this national consensus and the feeling that the government, broadly speaking, was doing the right things for the best, you know, for the good of the economy and all of its citizens, just eroded and disappeared. And now the government, and I said, let's just say South Africa is trying to rebuild this whole confidence and this whole getting back on the right economic pathways and trying to sort out the SOEs, you know, then you get the public protector attacking one of the big drivers of trying to get things right. And then you get this talk about the reserve bank and then you get this very poor economic print. And then it just, unfortunately, you almost feel as though you're sinking back into the, into the quagmire. So like you take today, the banks are okay, but the retailers got clobbered. Mm. And they got properly clobbered again. <laughs> now, these shares, these shares are actually seriously cheap at these levels. 
Now, I haven't seen these retail shares down at this type of level for a while. So if you believe that, okay, the worst is behind us and we go forward now, which, by the way, is exactly what I thought a month ago. So, you know, clearly I was wrong a month ago because we're not at the bottom. You know, we may be now at the bottom and you on earth actually knows. But if you believe there is a brighter future ahead of us, then these shares are actually quite cheap. And in fact, indirectly, indirectly, this extremely poor number that's come out, coupled with the fact that last night the Federal Reserve just about said they're going to cut interest rates, quite frankly, virtually guarantees an interest rate cut in South Africa sooner. Well, let's hope so. But inflation's is that... under control. Inflation's under control. The Federal Reserve's going to cut. I'm, I'm quite confident that the rate cut will come in South Africa. Yeah, but is it the panacea that we're looking for? Of course, it's not. But I mean, it's no, a step in the right it's direction. Not, but it all helps. Yeah, yeah it really does help. Helps. Have you seen the rand since we started sp- speaking? It went to fourteen eighty nine. Look at it now; it's fourteen eighty nine again. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's, 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 it's going to break out of its recent range. Um, just one thing before yeah. we go, Wayne. You, you you're you're a fan of South African stocks. You think they present good value. You may be wrong for six months, but in probably in the long term, you are going to be right if all the things that you put forward as your thesis uh, come to fruition. What about the gold price? Have you seen something's going on because mm. gold has gone from twelve eighty to thirteen forty. Okay, it's back at thirteen thirty one at the moment, but something yeah. is building in gold, and it's not just the weak U.S. dollar or the prospect of a no. U.S. recession or the prospect of a weaker U.S. Trade dollar. Wars. Something is going on there. There's a really big move, and no, you're not a fan wars. of gold, I don't think. No, look, I mean, gold's been very difficult to predict over the years, and it's quite frankly been a poor investment over over the years, even. Even if you take into account what the rand has done, because you could have earned more by just having the dollar deposit than owning gold for rand weakness. But the world's worried about Donald Trump and these trade wars. Yes. We still of the opinion that you will settle or you'll declare victory and retreat, or there'll be some sort of truce between the parties and it'll just be left in limbo sitting out there but you simply don't know. I mean, just when you think everything's going well, he increases tariffs. Then he threatens tariffs on everyone, Mexico, European motor cars, trade deal with England, I mean, with with the United Kingdom. I mean, he's just marching to his own agenda. And at the moment, the agenda is trade wars is good for my, my politics. Yeah. And he's pushing these trade war things. I mean, he makes statements like billions of dollars are flowing into the American government because of these tariffs. But he creates the impression that China's paying these tariffs. They not. It's the American citizen that's paying these higher tariffs. Right, right. And, you know, you're now hearing lots of stories now, including the Federal Reserve last night, that are directly linking these tariffs to worsening economic circumstances and conditions in America. And I think he'll back off because he does not want the American economy to noticeably slow down and the blame to be put on tariffs. And and lose the 2020 election, of course, which I personally think he might do because of something that is not out of his control, but has occurred because of the policies that he's 
done well with, let's face it, over the last two years, for certainly for the stock market anyway, and the employment market. But I've just got a feeling that Mr. Trump might get a wake-up call quite soon when I've got a dash. But thank you very much for your analysis. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FMB Wealth and Investment, and that was Wayne on Wednesday. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za.